When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We're in New Zealand, 9.03 here on SENZ in the mornings for, for the next three hours through to uh, midday when Mark Stafford takes over. We shall be talking to Crystal Cora. And uh, Crystal is an amazing lady, but uh, she's just been given a big job. And it's the head coach of the Chiefs Manawa side, uh, of course, the playing through champions in Super Rugby or Picky. So we'll catch up with Crystal very shortly. Um, and then we'll open up the lines around 9.30 uh, for subjects that uh, you might like to talk about. Uh, of course, uh, Leon McDonald just being confirmed as the coach of the New Zealand 15 or the All Blacks 15, which is uh, going to be overseas at the same time as the All Blacks themselves. So uh, what do you make of uh, Leon McDonald's appointment there? I think it was uh, best kept secret for quite some time. There was all sorts of stories about that uh, floating around the place. So, yeah, and uh, I think he'll be coaching against Scott Robertson, who will be coaching the Barbarians uh, over there as well. So <clears throat> a lot of New Zealand players out of the country at the same time representing the country. Uh, probably the most ever at one time. Uh, just after 10 o'clock, Chris Martin. Uh, of course, uh, Tommy Martin, former Black Cap opening bowler, of course, with a great record. Um, he has uh, been added to the Black Clash this year, for the first, or in January this next year, actually, for the first time. He'll be playing for the cricket group, uh, and uh, I think it's tied up at two apiece between cricket and rugby. Amazingly successful uh, project, that is. Um, apparently one million people watched it on television. One million and one uh, watched it. That'd be more than any version of the network news, I would imagine. So that must rate very well. Um, we've had a panel this morning at 20 past 10. Uh, and then uh, we shall be giving you uh, horses and greyhounds uh, as part of our normal Thursday process to raise money for charity. Uh, and then David Dome, who's the Phoenix uh, Wellington Phoenix General Manager, on a number of topics, including the fact that uh, they have now got this magnificent training facility and they have moved into it. So uh, we'll talk about uh, that. Uh, and, of course, uh, changes in personnel at the Phoenix. Looking forward to the start of that season. So busy. And uh, 11.30, of course, $100 up for grabs in the Stump Smithy competition. Look forward to your phone calls around about that time as well. But uh, first up, it'll be rugby. So wonderful announcement yesterday for women's rugby um, and uh, for the first time uh, we will have women coaching as head coaches of uh, a couple of franchises. It's just terrific news and one of them 
uh, is Crystal Cora, who's uh, joined us this, on the phone this morning. Uh, Crystal, welcome to our show, and first of all, heartiest congratulations on your appointment. Wonderful news. Thank you so much, and good morning, team. Yeah, good morning to you. I've just been uh, reading quite a lot about you, actually. Man, what a life you've had, um, uh, along with your husband, uh, Brent. You have formed quite the team, and you've seen quite a part of the world, too, already. Yeah, rugby's taken us around the world. Um, it's given us a life that's allowed us to focus on what we love and do what we love and work in, work in the thing that we enjoy the most and so so grateful to rugby I loved it as a player I love it so much more as a coach well you were I mean you played you've been part of uh, Black Ferns uh, sevens and 15 squad so you've, you've you know you've uh, reached a very high level there but you became interested in coaching at a very very young age tell us a wee bit about that I first started coaching touch rugby in St Peter's and um Back then, St. Peter's Cambridge wasn't a touch school, and so took them. a friend asked if I'd coach them and coach them, and we took that team in our first year to national champions. Um, so it was the first year we'd ever qualified for nationals, but then we went on to win nationals in our first season. So that was the start of coaching for me, um, a touch team in, in Cambridge, and three years there, and then I moved into rugby, um, and coaching Hamilton Girls High. And so eight years coaching within the age grades with school level, and we went on to win all, all the national championships in sevens and fifteens with the schools. But what I what I learned there was rugby was a platform and a vehicle to change lives. And um, it taught confidence, it taught belief, the skills you could learn within being a part of a team would take these um, kids on, one, to finish school and two, to lead um, lives where they inspired others. And so I fell in love with it there, that balance of performance and culture. Um, it was special. And, yeah, I think I've been blessed to have done my apprenticeship in that age group um, and be able to test my what I think um, the type of game we could play and then move into the women's space and the um, adult space later on in life. So, yeah, since then we've travelled the world um, coaching uh, in Japan and Borneo and um, Nicaragua. Uh, yeah, we've been all around the world coaching and so it's, it's been an epic life. It has been. And, you, you know, you're still such a, a young lady. It's quite incredible what you've been um able to uh, cram in to this point. Uh, I read uh, an article uh, stemming back to only February in this year where, of course, at that point you were the assistant coach. Uh, you got this uh, this job. You were notified of this job. Can you tell us uh, your initial reaction? I was, um, when I got the head coach role, uh, you mean head coach role or assistant role? Yes, yes, the, the head coach role, yeah. Oh. I was actually in South Africa with the seven at the World Cup. Um, and we were just heading into day one, and the high performance manager from the Chiefs rang and said, "Hey, you've you've got the job." And I was um, I was excited because I love Chiefs. Like all my rugby started in the Waikato. Um, I played my FPC there. I coached my first rugby team there. Um, so 
that region means a lot to me and um, I have such a close relationship with Bunce. He had brought me into the Chiefs environment last year and I knew he was um, the mahi he was doing with the Black Ferns and that he probably wouldn't be taking it on um, again. So uh, I was excited to be the one who got to continue on the journey that him and the coaches from last year had, had started. Um, Crystal, who who have been Alan Bunting, of course. Um, who, aside from Alan Bunting, uh, I'd imagine your your husband Brent as well, have, have been massive influences on your coaching. Anyone else uh, that you could highlight? Um, Wayne Smith's been my mentor for about eight years now, and so I'm really lucky to have met him at a young age and uh, find someone who pushes boundaries, thinks different, is out of the box, cares deeply about people, but also is real deliberate in um, creating performance environments and environments where people are motivated and driven within the environment. And so I was really lucky to be connected with him young. Um, David Galbraith was the one who connected us. So he's one of my other mentors. He's one of the most epic sports psychologists New Zealand's ever had. Um, and so those two have had a big influence on the way I think and my ability to, um, I suppose, they push me because they're mavericks in their own field. I also had Matt Kritz, Dr. Matt Kritz. He was our business partner with Athlete Nation when um, I was the CEO of a performance gym. So the sports science piece that I learned from him and understanding um loading and bodies and movement that was massive and he'd come straight out of New Zealand sevens and a high performance sport in New Zealand and so I always wanted to put myself around people who are the best at what they do and I've been lucky enough to be put next to those people and um, well actually go hunt them out and um, and learn and grow and yeah that's, that's that's a piece that I really enjoy. Well, Crystal, you're coming into, uh, of course, an environment and taking over an environment. Uh, who are the current champions. So I guess there's a little bit of expectation there. Have you even started to look at squads or anything of this nature yet? Yeah, we're in the contracting piece at the moment. And so um, we've, we're working our way through contracting. We It's a really short contracting period. It's only three, three weeks. And so um, we've got about uh, 10 days to go. Um, to finish our contracting, so it's a it's a busy time at the moment. Um, but we have a group of women that have been with us in that last year who are uncompromising in the way they train and play. And so securing a big group of that group is important to us to keep the consistency, especially um, with such a short pre-season. Our pre-season we only get four four days together prior to. The competition starting, um, which is right. a really different dynamic for anyone who understands um, rugby. Um, having such a short time together to um, get yourself ready to perform in the semi-professional environment um, is a challenge. And so, us securing the right people who can play that brand that we want to play—the decisive, instinctive, um, deliberate. Um, style of Chiefs Manawa rugby that we've been playing um, is important. 
In terms of the competition uh, this year, last year it was very abbreviated. It was over in a flash, it seemed, because of circumstances within the country. This year it looks to be a little, a little bit more involved uh, and run a little bit deeper. Two more weeks, so a five-week season total, including um, a semi and a final, which is, again, a very short season. I know it's the start of where we're going with... Um, the game with New Zealand rugby and so it's not enough but it's moving in the right direction um, to where we need to go and there's a, there's a lot of people behind it committed to pushing it in the right direction. Massive year for uh, women's rugby of course Crystal. Uh, we're only a matter of days away from uh, the biggest event uh, women's rugby will ever see in this country I would imagine. Uh, confident uh, about uh, uh, you mentioned Wayne Smith. Confident about um, the Black Ferns uh, having uh, had a new hierarchy put in and, and the results that you've been seeing. Wholeheartedly confident in um, what Smithy has done within the program. Like the watching the rugby and the shift in the rugby over the last year has been not even a year, eight months has been massive, um, and how that filtered into FPC and how that filtered throughout the country, um, the style and the brand that he's um, having them play, like the mission and the task at hand that he's actually had to take over a team um, in that period of time and deliver um, what he needs to deliver, it's massive, I, you know, but he's the, he's the one man who could pull that off. And so um, I'm excited to see what he has already created. I was lucky enough to be in camp last week um, for a day, the culture, the vibe, the woman in the team, the management, they're in a really good place, um, you know. And, yeah, I'm confident in the ability to maximise the potential of what he's helped deliver in the last six months. I think the task at hand is massive, like what we're competing against is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The rugby on the other side of the world is growing and growing quickly, so um, yeah, I wouldn't underestimate, and I know they won't underestimate what's happening on the other side of the world and how much resource and time and money has been put into women's rugby um, in Europe. You're amazing, uh, Crystal, in, in that um, you're a mum, uh, two young sons, of course, uh, a, a wife, and now a coach, and you said at one point earlier in the year you wanted to be epic at all three. Um it looks like you're on track to do that. Yeah, it's, I think it's so important to me. I need to be able to live the values for that I live within the teams for the most important people in my life, and that's my kids and Brent. Um, you know, if you got to the end of the journey and you had this epic job but you hadn't lived it for your key people, would it really be worth it? Like, that's how my brain thinks. So it is harder trying to be epic at all all of those and I think for me I I always say you've got to play the long game so I don't necessarily mm. need all the um, coaching accolades and jobs right now I, I want to coach for life but I also want to mum for life and wife for life and be happy and and content in myself and so yeah I'm willing to play the long game and work through it and enjoy the ride as I go um, to, to, to get that, to have that every day and not just at the end. Crystal, uh, fantastic to get to know you a wee bit better. Um, I look forward to uh, your results with uh, 
uh, the Chiefs uh, side, of course, um, the Manawa, uh, who are playing through champions. Uh, wonderful story. Absolutely wonderful story to find out more about you. And uh, I wish you all the best and thank you for your time this morning. Hey, thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Crystal Kua there, along with, uh, of course, um, uh, Victoria Grant, who is uh, also going to guide the Hurricanes poor for the upcoming season, both appointed as first-time uh, head coaches of uh, these women's franchises. And I'll tell you what, uh, Crystal Gora has got uh, some sort of background uh, in terms of getting to this point. She has coached literally everywhere, and everywhere she's gone, there's been a trail of success. It's an amazing story. So uh, you would have to think uh, with the uh, players that she will have available to her and uh, the experience of having won it already that uh, the Chiefs of Manawa uh, will be pretty firm favourites, I think, heading into the next one as well. It is uh, coming up to 9.20 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's 9.24 here, and uh, on the back of that uh, very impressive interview with uh, Crystal Cora, some, uh, the opposite news about the, the White Ferns at the moment. They have uh, made a real meal of chasing 115 uh, in the first one, uh, the first T20 international against the West Indies. The West Indies can only muster 115 in their 20 overs, uh, and at the moment, uh, the White Ferns are 96 for 9. 96 for 9. They need 20 off 6 balls. And Hannah Rowe has just hit the first one for four. So they now need uh, 16 off five balls. But how they've got themselves, themselves into this situation, uh, I was going to say I do not know, but I do know because I've been watching some of it. And some of the shot making and some of the decision making has been pretty inept, to be fair. It's uh, been a very poor performance. Uh, on the back of our conversation with Susie Bates yesterday where you know they were looking for excellence and uh, you know everyone was looking forward to getting stuck into this series. Um, it's been quite a relaxing time at uh, away from the cricket, but cricket has been the business that they're there for, and they have uh, not at this stage uh, done a very, very good job. I also have to uh, emphasise, I don't think I've ever seen worse coverage of a game of international sport. Well, I have probably, but not for a long, long time. And what they're doing it on in the West Indies and what they're sending back to New Zealand, I don't quite understand. The replays are appalling. Uh, the camera angles are worse. Uh, some things you just miss altogether. It's, it's quite bizarre, actually. And an insult. I, I would class it as an insult uh, to cricket coverage. So I don't, I don't quite know uh, who's respon responsible for it, but it certainly is uh, not doing the game justice. And uh, New Zealand now need 14 of three deliveries. They've got uh, Hannah Rowe and Fran Jonas together with uh, pretty much an impossible task now. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, interesting, uh, Ricardo Ball is uh, with us this morning, of course, Ricardo. Um, has uh, often hosted shows across uh, SENZ. Uh, he's uh, working in the producer's chair this morning, which uh, means we've got great opportunity to talk to him. And, uh, Ricardo, you sent me uh, this interesting little clip that's come from the Herald website where the Herald believes, and this is, uh, I quote this word for word, uh, NZR, New Zealand Rugby, was not happy with Eden Park for scheduling an all-whites test against Australia the day after this year's Bledisloe Cup clash, arguing that the close proximity of the two games at the same venue denied the rugby fixture the requisite exclusivity to fully promote itself. Uh, I can see you uh, shaking your head. Mm. Yeah. Well, did, did, a question for you, Smithy. Uh, it was a sellout at Eden Park on Saturday night, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't quite know what more they wanted out of it. Um, everyone turned up. Every, salt, uh, every seat was sold. I don't quite get where they think um, 
football encroached on them. Football was after. It was the day after, mm -hmm. not the day before. So it didn't squash them in any regard. They were done and dusted. I mean, the posts were down and everything was gone after the match. That's fine. But not at the, not at the expense of the event the night before. I wouldn't have thought. They had a very successful double header there, I would have thought. Well, exactly. And I mean, you could argue uh, that potentially having the All Whites on the day after on a long weekend actually helped their attendance because how many people would have travelled to Auckland from out of town because they could go to two events in one weekend on a long weekend and travel home on the Monday? Staggering. Absolutely. Absolutely staggering. I, I I just can't quite believe that that has come out of there, and they'd be I would imagine some people at New Zealand Rugby looking at that and saying, "Where the hell? Who who was that?" We're running around the office saying, "Who's that? Who, who said that on our behalf?" <laughs> because it, it just doesn't seem to make any sense at all. Uh, Hannah Rowe did her very best to try and get New Zealand home. Uh, she scored 26 off 19, but in the end, the West Indies won. Um, we uh, we as uh, the New Zealand women's team uh, fell two runs short, two runs short of winning. 114 for Nye. Really brave effort from Hannah Rowe in the end, but not able to get the job done. So West Indies go 1-0 up and some soul-searching to do for the White Ferns. So uh, that not good news coming out of uh, the caravan there. Yeah. Uh, remarkable story that, uh, actually. So we'll, we'll just follow that uh, throughout the morning. Um, we'd love to uh, get you the guys to call in, guys and gals, actually. Uh, 0800-150-811. 0800-150-811. The Chemist Warehouse Voucher up for grabs. Uh, we'll open the the, uh, the lines up and you can talk about what, whatever you like, actually. Uh, to be perfectly honest, you might want to talk about um, the announcement of uh, these two uh, wonderful women who are now head coaches of uh, Super Rugby or Picky franchises. might want to talk about the All Blacks. What about the uh, this arrogant attitude where they feel as if Eden Park belongs to them and them alone, um, it seems. Um, it's news to me this morning, uh, but I find it quite staggering that that's their uh, attitude. Um, and also, I mean, because Eden Park is not run by rugby, it's run by the Eden Park Trust Board, and uh, therefore they have that available to all sorts of uh, events, avenues, and uh, rugby is just not the only one, to be perfectly honest. They have played the odd game of cricket there, apparently, too, over the years. It is uh, coming up to 9.30 here on SENZ. Um, we'll take your calls uh, after the break, um, and uh, then we'll, uh, we'll... Don't forget we're speaking, of course... Um, to David Dome, of course, and uh, David Dome, of course, the general manager of Phoenix. Looking forward to that chat because um, they have moved into a new facility and we've heard so much about it. They'd say it's uh, state-of-the-art, so we'll find out more about that. Uh, and, uh, of course, we'll talk to Chris Martin throughout the morning as well. Uh, but your calls are very welcome very shortly uh, here on SENZ. It's 9.30 and time for Aroha with the news. Back time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. 
Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Right, uh, we asked for your calls and we've got them. And uh, first up this morning is Brian from Hibiscus Coast. Brian, good morning to you. The Hello, Brian. Society Hello, Brian. Park. Yes. Hello. Yes, Brian, go ahead. Okay. Good morning, Smithy. Good morning. Good morning to you, Brian. What's on your mind? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, we've, we've met a couple of times at the Cricket Society Eden Park over the years. Um, yes. White Ferns, the New Zealand women's cricket team, uh, Ian, um, I didn't get to see the last game uh, against West Indies one day, but I believe they lost the, la- <clears throat> the last five wickets for ten runs. Um, it seems to me Ian, they are missing Amy Satterwhite, um, a good bats, bats woman, and I also look at the top order it was uh, Susie and Devine and Amelia Kerr. I'm wondering, Ian, if they were to drop one of those players uh, further down, say say about four or five, and uh, the other batsmen women coming in might uh, have some experience from that other batter, whereas they have the top three in, which usually should do the job. But with the women's team, that's not happening. And I'm wondering whether the selectors could just change the batting order a little bit. What do you think on that? I think it's a good point, Brian. I think they're very top-heavy. If it doesn't work at the top of the order, it doesn't seem to work at all, with the odd exception. Now, Lauren Downs come back into the side, and she seems to be... Quite a good player at uh, number four. But they're certainly missing Amy Satterthwaite. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I look at that run chase again this morning. All they needed was a cool, experienced head just to gather them around and say, listen, this is not a very steep target. This is only 115 runs. But we've got to go about it the right way and rebalance it. There was no rebalancing this morning. Um, Very poor shots from... Very poor shot from Sophie Devine. A very poor shot from... Um, Mealy Kerr. I don't know. Uh, and that I mean, that, that lady Ian, yeah. is so experienced. I don't know why she she's not why she's doing those shots. I, I don't know either, um, Brian. I, mm. I just wonder about the mindset of it at the moment. Um, and you know, I, I applaud them that they've brought young players, and I don't mind that because they've got to think about the future. Uh, but the the young lady they put up to number three this morning was Georgia Plummer. Um, and Georgia Plummer has played very little cricket and looked like it, to be perfectly honest. She lasted uh, four deliveries. She was dropped first ball and then was out on the fourth delivery. So it was not, oh, I know. not what you'd oh, call a great, great innings from a number three. So, uh, But at that no. point almost, that was, you know, that was an experiment that failed, but they still had plenty of batting to win that game from that point onwards. And it, it, it begs the question, what is happening there? What is happening around the batting side of things, the thinking side of things? And you're absolutely right, Brian, and, and I make no apology for analysing it and uh, being critical of it because uh, that's what they Well, I want you to be for, because uh, no yeah, one else yeah. is, and, and Ian, you're doing a great job, mate. I appreciate uh, your call, Brian. Thank you very much, and uh, let's hope that they, they turn it round um, in Game 2 back at the same ground, um, to be perfectly honest. But this morning's performance, they will not at any stage be happy with, I am sure. Uh, Brian, thank you so much uh, for your contribution this morning. Uh, nice to hear you. Uh, Nick from Wellington. G'day, Nick. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Ian, yourself? 
Yep, pretty cool. Pretty cool, man. What's on your mind? Um, I just, I'm just i not sure if it's anything you've ever had anything to do with in your life, but uh, next week in Melbourne, the um, Indoor Cricket World Cup will be held, and a uh, few New Zealand teams will be going over. And um, I guess it's just not something that gets t- talked about, you know, in mainstream media very often, but something I'm quite passionate about. And the uh, the, the New Zealand team should go well, mate, and hopefully... Uh, Hopefully we get a trophy. It's it's, it's been it's been uh, about half the games are live on KO Sports in Australia for the first time, which was bloody cool as well. Fantastic, Nick. Right, tell us uh, tell us a wee bit about our side, please. I have seen uh, little bits on Facebook, and I'll tell you why because um, I am on Facebook with Jesse Ryder, and uh, Jesse Ryder has been um, selling some gear, etc., to try and raise money because it's uh, first of all it's totally self funded, isn't it? Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah, there's a good Hawks Bay contingent. I thought you might have seen that. There's uh, a fella, two two boys that play in the CDA team. One guy, Toby Finlay, the 19-year-old, I think. Another guy, Todd yep. Watson, who's, who's from yes. up your way. Um, yeah, there's a good. There's one guy from Wellington, good friend of mine, Karen Butler. There's a there's, um, good chunk of experienced fellas coming out of Auckland. A guy that played a little bit of first-class cricket for Auckland called Michael Barry. Might be someone you've heard a bit about. Yes, um, yep. But, yeah, but uh, no, nah, they'll go good this year. The the uh, the Kiwi team. They've, um, the coach has uh, picked a few young fellas and a lot of fast bowling. I expect to be a bit of chin music. Could be good, quite good viewing, to be honest. So okay, so how do we first of all how do how do we view it from this side of the Tasman? Um, as point one, uh, point two. Um, indoor cricket, uh, how strong is it in the country uh, these days as such to be able to send uh, a pretty good side to a World Cup suggests not too bad? Yeah, um, as far as viewing, I know that there is, so like I said, I think there's about half the games are going to be um, viewed on what are the KO Sports, I don't know, I think that's a branch of Fox, I'm not 100% sure, but there is another probably about 30 30, 40 games, another third will be live-streamed, which I think we'll be able to watch on... There's a YouTube channel called My Action Replay. I think we'll have a lot yeah. of them. Um, and as far as the strength goes, about well, about 10 years ago, they restructured sort of the main, the main um, you know, provincial competition to all, all, all the teams aligned with the outdoor major associations. So there's six teams at the tournament, which which has meant that, um, like, the lesser, the lesser teams... You know, you like your Otago's and um, yeah, probably your Otago and your Canterbury probably struggle a little bit for depth. But there's a bit of a draft system, so you know the the, the leftover players from your Aucklands and your Wellingtons can 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 go, you know, and fill spots in those teams. So you end up with about sixty odd cricketers in the in the in, in the men's grade at the selection tournament, which is real good. Um, you know, it gives a big pull and it obviously builds depth because the sort of the the, the players that are a little bit below that top tier get to play against play against the best players. So I think it's fair to say probably it's not the strength of numbers is not quite what it was um, maybe 15, 20 years ago. But I, th- I think you can you know just from the, the guys that we talked about you know there's 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 still a lot of good good cricketers that are playing the sport. You know I think it's a bit more probably in the last little while it's been a bit more accepted from from um, outdoor coaches and, and outdoor players that it's a good way to to spend your winter and, 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 you know, hit some balls and bowl some balls. So I think, you know, the quality of cricket is still quite high, but maybe the, the number's not, not not as many as we'd like. 
Okay, Nick. Uh, hey, thanks for informing us about that. I did. I did realise it was on. It's crept up on me though. Uh, we'll try and. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, we haven't got any correspondence for it, but if you'd um, if you'd like um, at any stage uh, during the tournament to give us a call and tell us about the progress of it, I'm, I'm sure it's uh, that would be greatly received, mate. So if if you feel as if you want to do that, by all means, uh, give us a call and, and give us an update on on how we're going because. As you say, we're uh, we're a viable chance in it. Uh, thanks for your call, Nick. Have a good day. Yeah, thank you, Ian. We'll do. Cheers. Uh, that's uh, Nick from Wellington on indoor cricket. Uh, John from Auckland, regular caller. Love hearing from John. What's on your mind this morning, mate? Hey, Smithy. Uh, just this bloody Eden Park debacle. You know, if this is true, uh, New Zealand rugby should just build their own stadium then, because isn't Eden Park the national arena? Actually, wasn't Eden Park built for cricket? First and foremost, yeah. Well, Eden Park um, so is actually the, run by it's, so, it's run by the Eden Park Trust Board. It's not run by um, the uh, Auckland Rugby Union or the New Zealand Rugby Union. It's run by an independent group of people as a separate venue for sport and entertainment. That's my understanding of it. Uh, no one has a, a total mortgage on it. Well, um, it's just accepted that uh, New Zealand Rugby will play their Test matches there in Auckland. Yeah, well, exactly, mate, and. If, if no one sport owns the venue, I think they've self-proclaimed themselves as New Zealand Sporting Arena or whatever they, they call themselves. But, you know, if New Zealand rugby are acting like this, then it must be true that they are the, the North Korea of sport in this country. This is absolutely <laughs> just bemuses me, mate. Well, I'm trying to uh, get more information. Infam- yeah, go ahead, John. Sorry. Sorry, but, you know, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, it's the number one sport on earth. And we need to do everything we can to make it relevant in New Zealand, both men's and women's. And rugby, yes, it's definitely big and one of the biggest sports going around, but it, it doesn't have the viewership that football does. And for them to think that they own that stadium more than any other sport is absolutely just diabolical, mate. And that administration, it's just, they're pissing me off because they're, they're acting like North Korea, as I've said. And uh, just have a gutsful. John, thank you very much. Um, I can hear the passion in your voice. Uh, um, really, a regular caller is John, and uh, he gives us some valuable stuff. But uh, that's the most pointed I've heard, John, and uh, the, the number of times that he's called up. So uh, obviously, uh, Ricardo, um, <laughs> we've raised something here that we might have to get our teeth into a wee bit more as the morning goes on. Uh, Zaid from Auckland, who is a regular attendee at Eden Park. Uh, Zaid, good morning to you. Uh, yeah, good morning. Yeah, on um, Eden Park, it's a multi-used uh, stadium, and I'm pretty sure they're not too happy either next year about the Women's World Cup being on because they can't have any games there at all next year. So I'm pretty sure they've already put a kick in the fight up and about that. But, you know, as usual, um, I, I think I remember last year they didn't even have one cricket game there. Um, I don't know if it was to do with COVID, but... I think there was other, the other stuff on, but yeah, it's it can't just be used for rugby. You know, it's a multi-use stadium, so that's what it's going to be used for. Um, great uh, to see Leon McDonald get a job with the um, coaching in New Zealand 15. You know, adds to his portfolio of um, uh, rugby jobs, and um, maybe one day, hopefully, he might be an All Blacks coach. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's a good starting point for him. Um, Nico Hines winning the Dally M. Uh, medal last night, I heard, and um, I love the Black Clash. Um, Team Rugby won it last year, obviously. Um, Will Jordan and Kieran Reid dominated. Um, 
Also, Tom Walsh played in it last year. Um, but, yeah, it's always a good spectacle to watch. You know, obviously, Brendan McCullum and Israel Dagg have played in it before. But, yeah, I always try and um, make a point to watch it. And the, um, the commentary is always funny from the alternate commentary. So it's always, uh, it's always a good game to watch. I actually, actually love the um, Black Clash. It's great they're doing another year of that. Um, um, yeah, it's always good to watch that, actually. So, Zaid, thank you very much for your call, mate. Appreciate it. Um, Ricardo, you're in charge of the timing. How are we looking? Well, we've got time for one more. I think uh, Dean has uh, been sitting there for a while. S- Smithy? Okay, Dino. Good morning to you, Dino, from Dunedin, of course. Yeah, mate, honestly, nothing surprises me out of the NZRFU. I didn't hear any of that yesterday. I didn't have the radio on, to be fair. But the one thing I'd like, I don't know whether you can answer or not, but how many of the, I don't even know how many All Blacks we had, obviously the 15 that are perceivably their top 15 at the moment won't be released for um, the last couple of rounds of this NPC. But do we know who they are? Because there's a few people involved in the old tipping things at the pub, you know, which is just a bit of a laugh, but it makes a big difference. If some of these um, bag holders or whatever you want to call them for the All Blacks to travel around don't do much, if they're released, because some of them are damn handy rugby players, you know. So do we know who is being released to play NPC rugby for the rest of it or until they name their touring team? I, I haven't heard anything. I don't know. No, Dean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I have not seen anything official come out. I imagine uh, the first you'll see of it uh, now that this particular um, competition is over with the Rugby Championship, they, I guess they disband until they re- uh, announce another squad again. So whether they will be under instructions as to uh, their availability, I would imagine those that had quite an excessive part of uh, game time uh, will have downtime now um, and won't be available. Uh, but those players who were um, on the bench or on the fringes who saw very little action should be playing, absolutely should be playing and would be wanting to play as well, Dean. Um, so we'll just uh, we'll see what eventuates in the team namings coming up for this weekend, which will be out uh, today and tomorrow, I'm sure. Uh, thanks, Dean. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it for you. 9.46 here on SENZ. We'll be back shortly. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, well, we mentioned the story this morning uh, about the Herald uh, saying New Zealand rugby not happy with uh, Eden Park uh, scheduling the All Whites uh, game against Australia the day after the Bledisloe Cup clash, saying it impinged and squashed them. It didn't give them the right opportunity to promote their own fixture and their requisite exclusivity. And the plot thickens, Ricardo. It does. Yeah, reading more of the story that Liam Napier has done uh, on the New Zealand Herald uh, alongside Gregor Paul, it seems that this is all tied into the Women's Football World Cup that is here in Australia next year and the way that FIFA work. Basically, FIFA imposes strict exclusivity around its venues, um, which means that uh, New Zealand rugby won't have access uh, to Eden Park for the game against the Springboks, which is what they wanted. So New Zealand rugby decided next season they're going to play the Wallabies in Dunedin. Now, the date of that game, they could have played that at Eden Park, but they wanted to play the Springboks at Eden Park. Maybe they think it's a bigger draw card. Uh, but now that they've made that decision, they can't get Eden Park, so they may have to take that game to Mount Smart by the looks of it. Wow. 
That would be big. That would be massive. Um, <laughs> and, of course, they can't play in Wellington either because FIFA have uh, sewed up that ground. Yep, they've sewed up that one. They've sewed up Hamilton as well. And uh, there is one other that they've sewn up that they can't use. So, yeah, uh, they they basically uh, stuck between a rock and a hard place. They've, they've, run out of, um, they've run out of stadiums. They've run out of options. Wow. Okay, more on that throughout the morning. Uh, yes, the plot does thicken there. We'll come back uh, just before the hour is up with a multi, and then we'll talk to Chris Martin after 10 o'clock. He's back in the Black Clash. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold Know when the fold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, we missed out yesterday because uh, White Ferns were part of it uh, to beat the West Indies. They lost this morning um, in pretty disappointing fashion. And also, I had uh, the Bay, being the Bay of Plenty these days, the Bay, uh, minus 6.5 against Northland. Well, Northland uh, upset the apple cart there, didn't they, with a wonderful win. So congratulations to Northland. Uh, So today, the Yankees to beat the Blue Jays, Major League Baseball, $1.75. Tennis uh, out of uh, the ATP in Seoul. Uh, Jensen Brooksby to beat uh, Soon Woo Kwon at $1.46. Household names, aren't they? And in golf tonight, uh, the Dunhill Cup. Uh, Rory McElroy to beat uh, Nikolai Hogard. Nikolai Hogard at $1.45. He's the brother of the bloke that uh, uh, should have won last week. Uh, $3.70 is that multi. Uh, Yankees, Jensen Brooksby into Rory McElroy tonight at $3.70. We shall be talking to uh, Chris Martin, Tom Martin, after the break. He has now been named for the first time in his career in the Black Clash. I wonder how he feels about that. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.03 here, and I've just had this press release sent to me uh, about the Hot Springs Spas T20 Christchurch Black Clash in association with Heartland. It's on next year. They're promoting it this early on Friday, the 20th of January at Hagley Oval. Tickets uh, go on sale. Uh, you can get them through www.blackclash.go.nz. They are 49 bucks plus fees for adults and for kids, $15 plus fees. Uh, this sold out the last couple of years. It's uh, been amazingly successful. In fact, they're saying over a million people watched it which makes it one of the biggest watched events on sport in any calendar year, I would say, in New Zealand. And they're going to have probably about a million point, 1.2 million this year because there's at least 200,000 Chris Martin fans in this country I know of who are now going to be screen, uh, tuning into that coverage because it was announced as part of the launch that Chris Martin will be making his debut in the Black Clash coming up. And we're fortunate enough to have him on the line this morning. Chris, good morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. How are you? I'm very, very good. Uh, boy, how, how much uh, talking into did you have to to take part in this? Um, it wasn't too bad, actually, this time. I, I, I've played a few games in the last couple of years just around the neighbourhood, um, and I quite enjoy the atmosphere, the team atmosphere, playing against people, competing, um, and just having a run around on the grass again. So... I think um, with all these people watching is the only scary bit. Um, however, when you start talking about a million people watching Smithy, um, their attention spans won't have to be too long when I'm batting, at least. 
<laughs> well, uh, a lot of people, including Grant Elliott, are saying your batting was uh, very, very underrated. Um, and I kind of I I seen you play one or two fantastic cover drives at the basin one day. Tell us a wee, tell us a, 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 I guess if it came to you, if you had your time again, would you be any other type of cricketer? I, I would. I think I'd channel my inner Trent Bolt, um, which is running on adrenaline, perhaps fear, um, and a little bit of hand-eye coordination, which he has in spades. But um, yeah, I think I, I might have been able to swing the bat um, a little more as opposed to. Uh, I suppose miss it, um, but um, yeah, I was one of just definitely one of those older guys that um, played in generation where the number eleven stuck around and the guy at the other end um, had a little bit of a wahoo. So yes, if I had my time again, um, I might have chosen to wahoo a little bit more, Smithy. Chris, what does your time uh, these days consist of? Uh, what have you been up to of late? Um. Well, the family and I have done a few moves over the last few years. Um, we spent some time in Palmerston North running a four-square, and now we're in Eastbourne down here in Wellington running another one. So um, we're just slowly moving up the ladder as we go. Um, this one's a larger one. We've got 20-plus staff, um, and it's it's a great place to live. Um, I don't know if you ever visited, I think, Martin Crow and Andrew Jones used to live out here back in the day when they played for Wellington. But we've got a great lifestyle, great business, great bunch of staff, so... I think that's my uh, routine daily. I've sort of got 364 days of the year um, down at the store. So it's, it's completely different to travelling the world and playing sport, put it that way. Still ride a bike around? Um, I can walk, Smitty. I'm walking to work. Um, I haven't probably got on a bike since, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of mountain biking. But, um, yes, I'm, I'm fully equipped to drive these days as well, Smitty. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, in terms of this uh, event, Chris, I, I look forward to uh, you taking part. Already, people like Kieran Reid, big, burly rugby players, are saying they're not that keen on facing you. Do they have anything to fear these days? Um, I very much doubt it. I, I, yeah, I, as I say, uh, picking up the cricket ball and, and running around on the cricket field isn't something that I've done that often lately. Um, I'm hoping that my I can channel that in a competitive nature, um, and make sure that I'm in some reasonable shape so that I can at least try uh, to get the ball down there at some sort of pace. But again, um, I don't know how Jimmy Anderson does it at 40, although I must have finished at 38. But uh, 47, it's just getting a, a little bit too much of a stretch, I'd say, to scare Kieran. Um, but yeah, there'll be some good banter, and I'd say the entertainment on a, on a day down at Hagley, which is a ground that I actually haven't played at under that new stadium. So I'm quite looking forward to mm. it. Well, you played so much of your, your cricket down in Christchurch, of course, for uh, the Red and Black. So it'll be great to get an outing there and, and with a genuine atmosphere as well. Plus, the other good aspect of it is um, getting to see some great old mates again, which I suppose, uh, with your busy workload, you don't often get an opportunity to, to have. No, and that, that opportunity where you, you sort of, I suppose, rekindle those friendships, it is hard once you finish cricket. You've got to put a lot of focus into that next stage. So... Um, I would quite enjoy a few beers with them, um, a bit of a catch-up, and of course playing against some of these younger um, sort of all-black stars who probably had a choice to make at some point in their careers, whether they were going to pursue rugby or cricket. Um, that'll be a bit of a highlight as well. So I think overall the whole atmosphere, the whole package, I can see why people are enjoying it, um, and I'm going to enjoy it as well. Do you keep an eye on 
cricket these days at the various levels, Chris? Um, I do, especially um, red ball cricket. I think that's where I um, spent most of my career. So, again, when you're um, following it uh, post-retirement, you like to see New Zealand playing well in that format. It seems to show the strength of the side. So, And that really has been part of our game that has gone on from when we finished to being, you know, they win a lot more games than they lose. So I think that's that's been amazing to watch um, and watch a lot of the guys that you probably ended your career with go on to become proper legends and, and to perform it day in, day out and, and make serious careers and, and, and history, really. Well, it, it's interesting. You, you, you raise a very good point because uh, as you transitioned out, of course, the bolt Saudi. Uh, combination was starting to really transition in um, and uh, to be fair uh, they have established themselves as one hell of a combination uh, Chris and when when now of course you talk about red ball cricket I think very going to see very little of Trent Bolt because of circumstances um, and uh, I, I just wonder you, how you would rate those two uh, in terms of uh, perhaps New Zealand cricket history are they, are they the best? Um, I think as a, as a duo Absolutely. Um, but they, they had some serious help from people like uh, Neil Wagner as well along the way. And I just think you need that uh, day-in, day-out combinations to, to turn up and play the majority of their careers together to get that success uh, and to get that teamwork and to get that balance. So when the going gets pretty tough for those two, um, I think Neil Wagner stepped up and managed to get an end open. But as far as uh, new ball bowlers go... Um, I think Trent and Tim are definitely at that top level um, and Trent probably had a decision to make around whether he wanted to take Richard from the top because I think that was definitely on the cards if he had chosen uh, to head down mm. that path. But a, a lot of the, um, I suppose, passion um, that you play with um, isn't 100% on on numbers. So I think your family and your enjoyment for the game comes into it. So I think he's made a, a pretty wise choice on on getting the best out of what he can with what's left of his career. Yeah, I totally agree. And and you mentioned the name Jimmy Anderson before, and as you say, uh, your longevity in the game was quite extraordinary as well. Um, Jimmy Anderson has taken that uh, to another level. It doesn't seem that he's lost his mental appetite for the game. Uh, he can't continue forever, of course, but 40's amazing, and Stuart Broad's not far behind him. Yeah, and they and they as I suppose a number of um, pundits have sort of written about the last wee while they're they're very good in English conditions, um, and that's possibly where they're um, where they're best suited. Um, I suppose taking them down under and Ashes tours and all things like that that might just be a stretch too far. Um, but again, I don't know. I mean, Jimmy Anderson has always had one of those economical, um, amazing run-ups with with an amazing wrist. Um, and just seems to be able to get the ball into areas of much like McGrath that batsmen find very uncomfortable. Um, so he can do that in his sleep and even at the age of 40, I suppose. When the wickets get um, flat and perhaps you need a little bit more uh, six-foot-five brutality, um, it becomes a little tougher for the older guys. Um, but again, just amazing careers for both of them. Chris, um, getting bit, uh, back to the Black Clash, um, I've got a couple of uh, texts in from uh, listeners to say, if the two teams perhaps were to swap codes and play rugby uh, in one particular year, what would your specialist position be? Well, often Terry Wright gets mentioned um, in warm-up games. Um, I'm often hovering on the wing. 
Um, I don't have the dirty cash. I would have liked to have thought I had uh, you know, a touch bit more mass on my thighs than Terry, um, but that's where I'd be hiding. I'd be on the wing, um, running as fast as I can from anyone who was bigger than me. <laughs> I think you'd be quite a good winger, to be perfectly honest. Um, and the other question, um, the other question, of course, is: Are the people, the good people of uh, Eastbourne, now uh, going to see you pounding the streets? I think they are actually. I, I mean, there's a certain um, standard that people will possibly remember. Um, so again, you can't let them down uh, by turning up out of shape uh, or at least not being able to send a couple down. So I'll be out and about um, trying to make sure that my pride is intact come January um, and that we have a good day out. Mate, great catching up with you. Um, I've seen I, I from this conversation you haven't lost um, your edge for banter. Um, so uh, will there be any sledging? Would there, would there be any sledging? Would, would you, would you, you create know, some you, of your you know, old you know I don't have any sledging in me, Smithy. Um, I'm, I wasn't really one of those players. Um, but the, um, I was just watching the other day, they had some highlights on um, of the Hobart test. And I, and I was sitting there watching that. And, and I hadn't watched myself bowl a cricket ball for years. And I, I hadn't really, um, I suppose, really re-watched that. Um, and I was just amazed at the amount of, um, I suppose, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You got a lot of banter in that chat, in that commentary box from those Australians um, for most yeah. of your career, and I, I, I'm just so pleased for you that you got to give a little back on that particular day. Um, because I know having a beer with you afterwards in the changing room that was that was the biggest smile I'd seen you have, and it was just as big as our smile. So um, I'm pleased that we gave that to you, Smithy, because listening to Tony Gregg and listening to um, I think even although Richie's a lot more of a gentleman. Um, there's a yeah. few, a little bit of banter in there you just wouldn't want to hear day in, day out. So you've done well. Yeah, you know why I enjoyed it so much, Chris, is because it hurt them so much to think that you could knock no, them over there, to be perfect. <laughs> it really did hurt them, even though they gave David yeah. Warner man of the match. In fact, that, um, that was the last time uh, we've actually won on Australian soil. Can you believe that, quite believe that? No, I can't. I know that we spent a lot of time throughout my career trying to figure out how to beat those guys. Um, and I know that perhaps Tim and Trent have probably played in teams that have beaten Australia a lot more regularly. Um, but, yeah, I was surprised that it was that far or that long ago that we'd beaten them over there. Chris, um, wonderful to catch up with you, mate. Honestly, I hope the, the Foursquare business is uh, prospering for you. It sounds like it is with the number of employees you've got there. Um, and um, look after yourself, and uh, we look forward to your appearance on national television in front of that vast audience uh, in uh, January coming up, mate. Uh, pleasure catching up. Always good fun. Awesome. Thanks, Smitty. Um, hope everyone Cheers. enjoys watching in January. Yep, I'm sure they will. Uh, the numbers reflect that they'll be back, um, and uh, you'll be very much a part of it. Chris Martin there, folks. Um, what a great character he was uh, from New Zealand cricket. What a great servant he was uh, from uh, New Zealand's cricket's point of view. Man, never stopped running in. Uh, was very, very seldom ever injured, always available and uh, made the very best of every occasion and his record uh, is very, very good indeed and yes, he was part of that side, uh, captain by Ross Taylor, that managed to beat Australia last time we did it and that of course was at uh, Hobart at the Bell Reeve Oval as it was called back in those days. Wonderful memories and uh, I'm sure 
uh, when they get together in the dressing room and over the course of that Black Clash weekend. I think that's the only thing I would miss about it, uh, is not uh, having uh, the opportunity to uh, reignite with uh, some of my teammates in a more social, less pressure-filled environment. I think that would be the highlight for me. Anyway, uh, you folks uh, obviously enjoy it because you've got the the opportunity to go again. Hagley Oval always presents a, a great cricketing environment, a great cricketing atmosphere, and that is uh, on J- Friday, January the 20th, uh, 2023. Uh, adults, uh, 49 bucks, kids, 15 bucks. Uh, you can get the early bird pricing on sale uh, by going to www.blackclash.co.nz. So many features that they announced yesterday, uh, including the names uh, Grant Elliott, Dan Vittori, uh, the rugby names including Sir Graham Henry, Scott Robertson, his manager, uh, Kieran Reid, Will Jordan, who uh, last year sealed a magnificent victory with a wonderful partnership, Reid scoring 84, Jordan 63. Those tickets are on sale now. Get involved. Get involved, folks. It should be a great occasion. 10.18 here on SENZ. And when we return, uh, we have a panel for you this morning consisting of Hamish Bidwell and Tom Bartlett. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, Tom Bartlett and uh, Hamish Bidwell are our panellists this morning. And uh, Tom, I'll begin with you if I can. Thanks for joining us. A uh, bit of a uh, mess up, well, it's not, it's an S fight actually, an S fight uh, starting to brew between um, perhaps rugby, football and uh, Eden Park Trust Board. Uh, what have you made of this over in New Zealand rugby's comments to the effect that um, New Zealand football sort of impinged or um, invaded their territory almost last weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah, good morning, Smithy. Um, yeah, look, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, they, they, the spiritual home of rugby, I mean, everyone knows that Eden Park has obviously played host to, um, to several big uh, rugby fixtures over the years, and, and obviously the All Blacks see it as their, their spiritual home. I mean, I'm of the opinion, Smithy, that um, the park belongs to New Zealand. It doesn't belong to New Zealand rugby, it doesn't belong to New Zealand football, and um, if Eden Park as a as a business is allowing that to, to happen, then that, that, that's fair game as far as I'm concerned. Um, New Zealand football, you know, had an opportunity to host a rare football game um, in New Zealand involving the All Whites, um, and so like as far as I'm concerned, maybe there's sort of um, you know they've got every right to be there if Eden Park allows them to do that. So yes, I can see New Zealand rugby might think that they. Um, you know, have a kind of a right to, to use it, and, and they do, but I don't think it's just as black and white as, well, it's ours, you can't have it. I agree. I totally agree, Tom, and on the back of, uh, what, the th- three years we've had of being locked down in this country, no one being able to come here, no one able to go anywhere, basically, all of a sudden we are able to celebrate two sports in one weekend, and one sport doesn't appear to be that happy with it. Um, from the outside looking in, in anyway, Hamish, but well, how do you view that? This is one of those reasons that people don't like New Zealand rugby or criticise New Zealand rugby. This is so thin-skinned, short-sighted, pathetic, petty. Call it what you will. I mean, I can remember 1990 at Athletic Park, um, the Wallabies All Blacks on the Saturday and the Kiwis Kangaroos on the Sunday. I'm a sports fan. It was a great celebration of sport. I was at both. Um, I think both were sellouts. Both lifted the nation. Both were events that people wanted to support and get behind. New Zealand lost them both, sadly, but that's what that's what sport is. It's a celebration. It's about 
groups getting together, it's about bringing people together and to divide people on the basis of code, as you know, rugby want to do, or to claim that their Flinders Lake Cup, which gets saturation coverage that it is, was slightly um, overshadowed by the All Whites. Give, give me a break. Like the, the, the All Whites were well overshadowed by the All Blacks, and this is the, one of the reasons, as I say, that, that people get really toey about New Zealand rugby. People get tired of us complaining about them, but when they act in this fashion, it's hard not to. Mm, yeah, I, I totally agree, and I was quite surprised actually to even read that um, it's become a, a bit of an issue. I thought uh, uh, whether whether there are powers that be um, somewhere in New Zealand rugby are saying who the hell leaked that, or is that really our view overall? But anyway, um, a, a little bit of a question mark too, though. Uh, Hamish hanging over New Zealand football here. They got thirty five thousand people at Eden Park at the weekend, so there's an appetite there. But uh, now it seems no games going forward for the next six months. So. Where does that leave Danny Hay? And is, is, he has a right to criticise, I guess, publicly for that? Well, leaves him without a job, effectively. Whether he formally leaves that job or is relieved of it, he's still not working. Um, there's still nothing to do. Um, like, it's hard. New Zealand football, we're part of Oceania, and that pays dividends as far as age group World Cups for male and female players works. But in terms of the All-Whites, it leaves us nowhere, and... You know, they're a shop window team. They're the ones that attract 35,000, not the girls under 17 team, as well as they've done it at World Cup. So, uh, I just, it's funny, we're criticising New Zealand rugby, but a lot of codes like New Zealand football are lucky that rugby exists because they take so much of the oxygen. But some of these organisations are incredibly poorly run, and I've covered them all netball, football, basketball, uh, cycling, you name it, cricket. Um, I've dealt with all these people. They're not well run, these organisations. And this is, again, it's an example of New Zealand football's inability to read the room, inability to support their team, inability to realise that their coach and Danny Hay is very popular and very well, and very accomplished and is the guy that the team wants to retain. So, yeah, I shake my head. It's disappointing. We should be talking about what a good um, occasion it was to get 35,000 there. We should be talking about the road to the next World Cup, but we're talking about having a team with no games and potentially no coach. I would have thought um, Tom Bartlett, uh, what they could have announced is the very next two dates for when we play Australia again. Surely uh, the administrators were able to get together over the weekend. What do they talk about uh, when they're viewing these big crowds, both at Brisbane and at Auckland? Surely they see an appetite there. Surely the first thing you say is, right, let's do this again quickly. Let's get it formalised so coaches know, players know, in that window, this is what we're doing, Tom. It doesn't seem to happen in football like that. Not here anyway. No, it doesn't, Smithy. And I think um, a point that you know Hamish was making about you know the, the organisations and the way they run. Sometimes perception is a is a big thing, and just speaking up and owning the narrative a little bit. And 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 I'm not suggesting that they need to go out and say things that aren't true or promote something that may never come to fruition. But I think a little bit of the talk around jumping up and down about thirty five thousand, and we're gonna we're gonna you know I'm gonna be calling the CEO of Football Australia, and we're gonna be having some conversations. I haven't heard any of that. Now, that's not to suggest it hasn't, hasn't been said, but they're not, they're not owning the, the narrative. They're leaving it open for us to discuss it as we want to. And our discussion points are no games for six months, as Hamish um, rightly points out. So it's a little bit of like, you know, not fake it till you make it, but a little bit of um, just own the, own the perception and paint the picture that you're doing everything you can. Sometimes that is enough to buy you a bit of time to actually get your, get your ducks in a row. And, and I just find that a little frustrating sometimes. We don't hear that, that positive talk, that sort of, determination to do better going forward and it's not to suggest it's not there it's just I don't hear it enough so that's what leaves me frustrated Yeah it is frustrating and uh, New Zealand rugby won't be able to fight Uh, surely Tom they're they're not going to be able to fight the beast that is FIFA 
Um, so next year when those uh, grounds are available to FIFA and FIFA only as such, even though a lot of them won't be being used at the time, uh, rugby won't be able to touch them. So they're going to have to find foreign fields, so to speak. Yeah, they are, Smithy, and, and that's you know that's that's professional sport, isn't it? I mean, you know, New Zealand rugby should know that better than anybody after their you know the debacle which was you know twenty odd years ago about not um, producing stadiums that were clean for for a World Cup. So they know that that's what happens. These these organisations, the FIFA's and the World Rugby's, they come in, they take over, they take the stadiums, and you just gotta you gotta suck it down. It's not like this event has just been announced. It's been it's been well well announced, uh, well before any conversations New Zealand rugby might have been having. So. Uh, they are going to have to find another ground uh, to use, or they're going to have to come up with something a little bit different, which could be exciting. Yeah, interesting. Okay, Hamish Bidwell with us this morning with Tom Bartlett. Uh, we'll take a quick news break uh, with Araha, and when we return, more issues to talk about on the panel. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. Part of the panel this morning, and uh, we have with us Tom Bartlett and Hamish Bidwell. Uh, Hamish, I'm not sure whether you uh, had time this morning in a busy household to uh, to watch any of the White Ferns' uh, kind of feeble run chase of 115. I'm um, actually 11 holes into around at Hastings then, so no, I didn't see it. Um, the match is all square, which is, and I'm not playing at the moment, which is a relief to my partner because I was playing like a, a drunk. Sadly, because it's the morning, I haven't been drinking, but. I will do it some stage. <laughs> no, I missed the white fans, um, in all fairness. No, they were awful, um, to be perfectly honest. Um, they couldn't chase down 115. Um, and uh, they looked uh, pretty terrible in trying to do that. So uh, that was a disappointment. Anyway, moving on, I'll ask you this question. And the 11th is uh, quite a tough green to hit. Um, second green oh, to hit with 10, that. Yeah. Actually, to be honest, so we, we went off 10, so we're in the front at the moment. Oh, you're on the front, so your 11th is what? What are you yeah. playing the, about the, the third? The boys are just teeing off on the third. I'm sort of hiding on the uh, practice uh, par three course. All oh, right, okay, fair enough. Here's the thing: um, <laughs> Would you man cat anyone? Would you man cat anyone, Hamish Bidwell? And are you looking forward to watching kids cricket where it happens 20 times in a weekend? Well, I, I play geezer cricket really poorly, and because it's probably my best mode of dismissal, I do fake a man can for a laugh. Um, but no, I wouldn't do one. But I don't understand the stigma around it because it's in the laws. You know, the umpire gave Charlie Dean out the other day. You know, she had any number of head starts in that match. Um, do I like it? Well, if, if we don't like it, then we should take it out of the laws. But while it exists, I don't think you should have to give a warning. I don't think it's a, it's a grubby way to get someone out. I think that. The person who's cheating here is, is the non-striker, and there deserves to be some punishment for that. I, that may not be the popular view, but it's certainly mine. OK. Um, Hamish, yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Uh, what about you, Tom? Yeah, look, just the whole thing just doesn't sit well with me, but I, I can't deny... So if you're asking me, somebody, would I do it? No, I wouldn't. Um, and I don't think I'm any more principled than anybody else. Uh, I like winning as well, but uh, there's something about it. But I, I can't hide from the fact that I might not do it. But it, it, it exists as a law, so therefore, while it's there, it's kind of very hard to kind of be so anti it because it's actually been deemed to be a you know legitimate way of getting someone out. So I wouldn't do it personally. I don't like watching it. I think it's a bit of a um, I, I, the whole thing just doesn't sit well with me. Yes, I get Hamish's point about the non-striker um, backing up and all those kind of things, and, and I appreciate that. I just don't like the mode. I think um, the idea of cricket is not... That's not how you get somebody out. But that's just my personal opinion on it. But having said that, um, it's in the law. So while it's there, 
I'm not, you're not going to hear me say, oh, that's an outrage because um, India beat England in a, in a women's international with a man kid. Well, that, that's just too bad because it exists as a law, and if we don't like it, um, I tend to be of the same opinion. Get rid of it. Okay, fair enough. Good point. Um, before we let you go, uh, Hamish Pidwell, I, I'd hate you to miss uh, teeing off on the third because it is the shot one hole. It's the hot, uh, shot one hole, folks, at Bridge Par. It is a very, very difficult par four with an elevated green. You do not want to get above the hole and have a downhill putt. So are, there are a lot of dangers there, and uh, it's, it's a hole that you really have to concentrate on. So, Hamish Pidwell, your last question is this. I'll let you go after that. Uh, Leon McDonald coaching, announced as coaching yeah. the New Zealand or the All Black 15-1. Uh, they're not classed as All Blacks, uh, those players, even though they're playing for an All Black 15, they do not get that, um, that privilege as being classed as All Blacks, the new ones anyway in that group. Uh, and do you see anything in Leon McDonald being named uh, to do this in terms of the future? Oh, not a great deal. Obviously, Scott Robinson has barbarian duties, and he's surely the next cab off the rank in terms of the New Zealand system. Um, Leon, at this stage, hasn't won anything, doesn't have a lot of runs on the board, certainly promising, certainly able. Um, certainly would be a good addition to Scott Robertson's team if, if Robertson were ever able to secure the job. But in terms of Leon as an All Blacks coach in the sort of short to medium term, I, I would have thought no. He needed to, to win a bit more stuff. And then to make mistakes, I have always liked coaches of the Hanson, Chris Boyd, Dave Rennie, Robbie Deans type vintage who've actually coached at all levels, made their mistakes, settled on methods and various plans and strategies, learned how to control and, and and build a group, and I think Leon's still in his infancy, and I think it would be premature for him to be talked about in all, in all black terms, and particularly because you know we seem to have deemed rightly or wrongly that Robertson isn't quite ready, despite having what is it six or seven Super Rugby titles in the bag. So um, good for his career advancement. Um, hope they do well, but I wouldn't like to see him being all black coach, you know, within a decade probably. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Hamish Bidwell. Uh, all the best uh, going down number three. Tough hole on uh, the best of days. Thanks. Okay, Chad, you just stuck across the fairway straight to the fourth tee. Good on you, boy. Uh, thank you very much for your participation this morning. Uh, Tom Bartlett, uh, what are you reading to uh, the Leon McDonald appointment? Just keeping him close, you think? Keeping him close to the group? I think that's kind of what it is for me. I, I'm, I'm similar to Hamish. I, I don't think he's ready to, to be the all-black coach, but he's clearly highly regarded in, in New Zealand rugby circles. You can tell by that. Those appointments don't come uh, without that. Um, but I think he's got a long way to go. I, I want to see yeah, if, he, if the Blues are... If he's going to be the next coach, I, I want to see the Blues win a couple of titles uh, to get us into that kind of space, just to build a bit more of that kind of experience for him. He's obviously a talented guy. He's a smart guy. Uh, he's well liked at the Blues, well liked within New Zealand rugby. You can kind of tell. Um, but I, I, I would, I'd, well, look, who knows, Smithy? To be honest, I, nothing surprises me. Sometimes um, I'm still sort of a little bit shocked that Scott Robertson is not the All Black coach. But that's I wouldn't be alone in that. Um, and having said that, if all of a sudden the 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 path opened up for someone like Leon McDonald, then I suppose when you're looking around, would he be the the guy that would be the best qualified New Zealander? Is someone like Robertson was no longer available because he took a job somewhere else. So uh, who would know? But I think it, it does give you some indication of, of the value that he's, that he's or where he's held in, uh, in terms of value in, in New Zealand rugby circles. Tom, Parramatta Eels or Penrith Panthers? Penrith Panthers, I think for me, uh, Smithy, I, I'd like to see Parramatta win it. I, I like, I, one of the things I love about the NRL is, the, is the, um, the way that the champion seems to move around a little bit. Yes, Melbourne's obviously dominated in recent years, but uh, 
Penrith is, you know, you know they're only going for their second, so it's hardly like a, a mass dynasty being built. But um, it's always great to see a, a new champion crowned. I just think Penrith will be too good, though. I think they've, I've seen enough of the Panthers this year uh, to suggest that they're a quality, quality team. Um, they're brilliantly coached, obviously. They've got star players across the park. Uh, they're going to be very hard for Paramount to beat. And just finally, uh, when they name these two sides to go on October the 9th, I think it is that the all-black team to tour the northern parts of the world uh, is named, and I would imagine the all-blacks 15 uh, will be named at the same time. Um, it will encompass a lot of players. If you were if you were picking that side, would you put Roger Tuovasashek in the all-black team proper, or would you put him in the 15, the all-blacks 15, uh, and let him play some rugby? I would put him in the All Blacks team proper, uh, and I would be starting him against Japan and starting him against Wales. That's what I would do. It's time to find out whether he's up for it. It's not to, su- to suggest that the All Blacks 15 is not a quality, will be a quality team against quality opposition. I just want to see uh, how Roger Tuovasa goes and the, the way he would perform off the back of a couple of weeks uh, under the guidance of, of Foster and Joe Schmidt and those guys in the All Blacks team. I want them to have a really good look at him. Uh, I think you know getting feedback from Leon McDonald about how he's going, particularly because Leon McDonald is now obviously Rogers' um, club coach as well as uh, coach of that team if he went into that team. Uh, so I think he's not going. They need to see Roger in a in a pressure situation and in Cardiff under the roof um, in that environment. I, I'd love to see him play those two games. That's what I would do if I was coaching. But uh, there are smarter brains than mine, Smithy, that will probably make the opposite decision. I'm not sure about that, Tom, actually, to be fair. Uh, But thank you. Thank you so much for your participation this morning. Um, And we shall have another panel tomorrow morning uh, around about 10.20. It is uh, 10.41 here on SENZ. The voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand pacing for purpose season two. This week's Harness Racing Pick to raise funds for Women's Refuge is at uh, Addington and tomorrow at 4.40pm it is race one, number 12, Paramount Impress. Paramount Impress. Uh, Worked hard and finished fourth last week. Might just be too good for them here. So Paramount Impress, uh, race one, number 12 at Addington and uh, any funds won from that of course go to our pool that we've got putting together for Women's Refuge. Uh, a couple of texts have uh, come in. Uh, Jared says, what a cool and funny dude Chris Martin is, top chat with uh, one of our best test bowlers. He is a funny dude. He's very dry, very intelligent, very clever uh, young man, uh, Chris Martin. Uh, always liked uh, talking to him, but um, is a real silent achiever as such and a very good cricket team. Uh, on that subject, uh, here's one from uh, Jeremy in New Plymouth. Um, a new friend of mine quite clearly. This morning, Smithy, I watched the highlights from the underarm incident game last night on Sky. Uh, on Sky Now. I, I didn't realise how close you were involved. In fact, if you didn't throw your wicket so cheaply away, it may not have ever been. At PS, do you still wear that lovely necklace? Oh, God. Well, two... Yeah, Jeremy, two points here. No, don't wear the necklace anymore. I simply do not wear that necklace anymore. Have no idea where that necklace is, Jeremy. To be fair, uh, in terms of the underarm thing, um, true, true. Uh, my kids tell me it's probably the worst cricket shot ever played in the history of the game. Uh, yes, 
Uh, had I been able to hit that ball somewhere, it might have got Bruce Edgar on strike and we wouldn't have had to hit a six to tie the game. True. Do you think I'm over it, Jeremy? Do you think I'm over it? Do you think I need people reminding me of it 41 years later? Do you think so, Jeremy? Thanks for your text, buddy. It is now 10.48 here on SENZ. Right, uh, Louis Herman, what... Uh, as always, Louis joins us uh, at this time, and uh, we have racing today at uh, Otaki. Nine races uh, beginning at uh, a quarter past midday. Louis, anything you like there? I'll be honest with you. I'm actually keeping my powder dry a little bit today. Um, massive weekend of racing. No, that's no disrespect to the Otaki Māori Club at all, because they've put on a great day down there, and the track's come up a soft five, I know, which is awesome for this time of year, although there are some showers. Um, and look, the locals love it down there, and they don't get to race there enough. So it's awesome to see the Benner Winyards of the world be able to step out. Some of their lightly raced two- and three-year-olds, and um, we do have a two-year-old race down there today, race two. So the very early season two-year-olds are only racing over the 800 metres, um, and then there's a three-year-old set weights and penalty race where O. Riordan, Rawdon, uh, in race number three, Lisa Allpress, Jono Bennett, Holly Wynyard, well, it won on its home track only last start, and that was fresh up, and it was pretty smart that day. So from barrier five with Lisa all press up, you got to think that's another chance. But Smithy, um, not just the Arrowfield this weekend and the Epsom and the Underwood, tomorrow there's a fantastic card at Tarapa as well. So we're really just getting into that time of the year, aren't we? We are, actually. Uh, we're, we're, it's Really, it's quite mouth-watering this weekend of racing. Um, and I look at the, the Arrowfield and I look at the market which has been set up for it at this point. For all intents and purposes, Louis, it looks like uh, a two-horse war with La Creek drawing three. Uh, Mustang Valley a little wider at 15, but they really do share top billing in the market. Yeah, how good were those eights around Mustang Valley at the start of the week before Imperatriz was out of the market? I mean, mm. seriously... Look, on the quick backup, um, with the, the informed stable of the Forsman barn, the draw is not ideal, is it? But you've got to say to yourself, at that time of the day, how much is it going to matter? Although, do you just go with the best horse, which clearly is La Creek? Um, and look, people will be shouting at their radios, it's not a two-horse race, are you guys idiots? Well, no, it's not. But if you want something else, you're going to have to take a knock on it. You know, there's got to be a knock on every other horse that you present to me in that race, really, because either it's not their pet distance, it's too short, and they would have been looking at the Livermore. They're not necessarily wet trackers, or they're more sprinters rather than milers in spring tides um, case. And, look, Deerfield a wee bit, too, and a couple of other ones. So the, the race really sets up as La Creek to lose with the draw, but Mustang Valley, the big, big threat, and uh, I'd be keeping her very safe. And there's the Hawks Bay Guineas as well, Smithy. And look, dynastic. How good was he last start on the heavy track? Mm. I just don't know how you could back against him. I'm a bit the same, actually. Uh, that is, uh, of course, race five on the day. Goes uh, at 2.40. Uh, it's drawn 11, of course, uh, OP on board. Um, and uh, as you say, 2.70 in the market at this point. Not a lot, uh, although down the bottom... Johnny Barry's a sneaker. He's a sneaker and he loves a group one at Hastings uh, with bestseller. Yeah, the filly taking on the lads. And, you know, she gets through the wet track. She sits off the pace. Sam Spratt's given her a peach of two peaches of two rides this prep. Um, far out, I don't know. 
no offense, John Barry, but is she as good as Dynastic? I mean, look, she, she's a good filly, but this is an Almanzor cult, and they said that the Almanzors would be better three-year-olds. Well, they are. That's been proven already up north and then down here. And unless that heavy track took her out of him last start, and maybe he just doesn't have... Well, she was on the same track, wasn't she? Look, I think he's... I want to say he's immoral, but I really think he's a good bet, to be honest, the more I think about it. It's a wide-open race in the sense that there's lots of progressive three-year-olds, but none of them have the track record that he did. And I doubted him heavily last start, and he just came out and put me so far back on my ass and said, don't you doubt me again. So I just can't jump off Dynastic now. I'm, I'm with him all the way through to the Guineas, the 2,000 Guineas, I think, silly. Good luck to you, Louis. Uh, thank you very much for your contribution this morning. Uh, head across to uh, TAB land where Brendan Popwell was representing them this morning. Uh, BP, you are a father. You play backyard cricket. You're a keen cricket man yourself. Your son's a talented cricketer. Are you a man-cad house, the Popwells? <laughs> well, I've been dismissed as in man-cat, so um, I was absolutely filthy on it. So um, I haven't even let that down, to be honest with you. So... No, I have not been uh, introducing my kids to how to man-cat, uh, Smithy. We're keeping right away from that. <laughs> Good on you, mate. I, I, I totally respect you there. Totally respect your, your sentiments there. Uh, some uh, oh. some sporting options today? Yeah, mate. I'll just quickly touch on the arrow field that you, and you and Louie have been talking yeah. about. Mustang Valley was as high as $61 in that futures market, uh, and there was some, there's been some really good tickets on her to win that at $21 before she won the Muriel Metric Mile. Uh, so okay. it's a massive re- result there for some punters that are sitting on those tickets, and she's very well found in the marketplace uh, for uh, Saturday's race. I will say, though, La Creek has been the best backed in that race. If you want to bet today at Altaki, race number two, Sky on Fire. It cannot get enough of this horse, punters. It's fifty. It is trained by Mark Walker in a two-yard race. And we'll look at the grand final, of course. Man, we're taking some money on the Panthers. 5000 on the Panthers to win 13 and over at 225. 8000 on them to win the match. Not a lot of love towards the Parramatta Eels. Best bet on them has been 1000 out 1 to 12 at $4.20. A man of integrity, our Brendan Popperwell. We thank him for uh, that this morning. Have a great day, Pops. Uh, it is 11 o'clock. Uh, we shall be talking um, a very interesting subject, uh, and that's the Wellington Phoenix after the break with David Dome. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Time to talk some uh, football now. And, of course, uh, the upcoming um, A-League season is uh, so close you can actually reach out and touch it. It is next weekend, um, and uh, the Phoenix are at home at Sky Stadium to Adelaide in a, a really important encounter to get the season off, uh, off on a positive note. We're joined now by uh, the general manager of the Phoenix, and that is, of course, uh, David Dome. Uh, David, good morning to you. Thanks for your time. Oh, don't appear to have David there. It might have slipped off the line. We'll just uh, try and we'll try and get him back. Um, uh, yes, uh, their first game is against uh, Adelaide, which is. Uh, of course, uh, I won't say a must-win game, but it's a, it's a really important game in terms of uh, getting the season off on uh, a really positive note. 
Um, and then, of course, um, we can uh, also ask uh, David about, I'm really interested to hear about this new facility that I've uh, managed to uh, put together, a new training facility, which is a state-of-the-art, apparently. Um, and, um, of course, uh, we'll give them uh, every opportunity to be better. And, of course, the schedule that they have this time round is more encompassing in terms of the fans. There are uh, a lot more home games available to them. So... Uh, the Phoenix this year, a lot more expected of them. They had a tough road last year because of uh, of COVID, and uh, they had I won't say they had a lot of excuses, but they did have um, reason um, to be not so happy with the way things went. Uh, but uh, this time around, uh, you would expect um, under coach uh, delay that they'll have things uh, pretty well sorted with their squad, uh, and um, just uh, waiting uh, to get David Dome back up actually. Um, the first uh, features uh, fixtures next weekend. Uh, just looking at those um, in terms of uh, when it kicks off Friday, October the 7th. Um, the A-League begins with uh, the Melbourne City against Western United. Then on Saturday, there are three matches, uh, which includes Brisbane against MacArthur, Central Coast Mariners against the Newcastle Jets, uh, the Sydney Football Club, of course, against the Melbourne Victory, and then on Sunday, our very own Phoenix uh, will be playing uh, against the Adelaide United side. It's an afternoon game, an afternoon game, which uh, was always well and truly well supported. And then the last game of the round as such will be uh, Western Sydney Warriors playing host to the Perth Glory. Uh, that's five o'clock uh, as well. So, uh, David, we've managed to get David Dome up on the line. Uh, thanks, uh, David. I don't know quite what happened there. But um, first of all, it's, can we talk about uh, the new high uh, performance training facility that uh, you've uh, you've got managed to get yourselves into sounds very exciting. Oh yeah, good morning, Smithy. No, no, it, it's unbelievable. It's it's a massive um, complex out there. We're in there. Uh, the Lions, Wellington Lions, the Hurricanes, uh, I think, are going out as well. Um, we literally, as we speak, we're packing up our office this week, and we will move out early next week. Our football ops guys are going out there, but it's a state of the art facility that has. Um, a combination of technology and facilities that rivals the best grounds or the best training facilities anywhere in the world. So there, there is some technology in there that, that um, English Premier League clubs don't have. So we're really excited about it. It's the sort of um, facility we need to be competitive with other A-League clubs these days. It's everybody's getting it going ahead and forging ahead with their, their infrastructure. And if you don't have it, you miss out on players. So we've now got this partnership. We're moving out to... Uh, with so the NGCIS, like I could say, next week, and then we're away. But, you know, really excited. Can't, can't wait to see what's going to happen when we get out there. And that incorporates uh, outside facilities as well, and training grounds, etc. Yep, yep. So we've got three dedicated sports grounds, um, football fields for us, with the ability to expand a little bit more if we need to, which I think we will do in, in due course as we bring on the women's program and also the academy growing at a great rate of knots. So, yeah, three dedicated grounds, you know, fixed camera facilities, um, uh, yeah, high fi I mean, Wi-Fi, you know, high-density Wi-Fi across the entire facility so we can stream all our uh, training facilities, uh, training sessions. Um, it's, it's incredible, you know. The, 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 some of the stuff, like I say, some of the stuff, and it, it's got a you know, 40 watt bike altitude-controlled um, studio. Uh, you know, it's got hot and cold bars where you can sit 40 people in it. It's got an infrared sauna. It's got a massive indoor gymnasium, uh, indoor um, uh, ground where we can play. If the weather's really bad, then we can do almost a full training session inside. Uh, it, it's incredible. So, yeah, it, it's got everything, essentially everything that we need 
um, will be there for you know um, for, for the players and for the staff. Sounds fantastic. Uh, obviously, uh, will be a draw card for players and coaches alike to come to facilities and preparing facilities like that as well. Uh, David, um, tell us about your your coaching setup for the Wellington Men's Phoenix this year, please. Yeah, so Usa Kale is, is in, the, in the final year of his, of his contract with us. Um, essentially, the, the, the contract side or the, the, the coaching side is very settled. So we've got uh, Giancarlo Italiano, who's been there for four or five years now. Uh, Chris Greenacre is the conduit between the academy side. We, Chris Greeny now heads up their reserve team. So he, he's the head coach of the reserve side, but he still has connected into the first team. So that's why he's got a really good procession of youth players coming through to the first team because Greeny's there. Um, and then you've got the, you know, the S&C and the physios have all been with us for quite some time. So it's very settled on, on the men's side of the business. Okay, the women's side of it, of course, uh, you had a bit of a hiccup, but it's good a hiccup, I suppose. Uh, you lost the services, um, of course, of Gemma Lewis back to Wales, uh, and now Natalie Lawrence uh, is, takes over uh, her assistant last year. Uh, how has that affected things in the run into their start of the season later in uh, October? Oh, it's been seamless, really, to be honest. Uh, Nat was heavily involved. We've we done a lot of our pre-recruit for this year with the women's team um, when Gemma was still involved. Nat was involved the whole way through. She got the confidence of the players. It was the players' wish that Nat would take over, which was part of the decision-making process. But also given um, Nat's background with the team last year, where she spent the whole season with the players in Wollongong. She understands the players very well. She's intimately um, connected with all the support staff as well. Um, her CV is excellent in terms of what she's done as a coach, so it was a no-brainer really for us. We had a little look around just to make sure the, um, that Nat was the, the, the best choice for the Wellington Phoenix Daily Women's Team, and she was, and we're very happy with how she's taken on that role. You've also announced a partnership uh, with Queen, uh, Queen Margaret College, which suggests a forward-thinking commitment to the women's game? No, Queen Margaret College are excellent. So they're, 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 one of the, the strongest things for Queen Margaret is a quality education. And when we're bringing, when you're developing young football players, you want to get them in that optimum um, age group, which is about you know, 14, 15, 16 and above. Now, that obviously means if you're bringing players from outside Wellington, you've got to school them. Queen Margaret is an unbelievable school, really good uh, uh, quality education. They have boarding on site, so we can provide really strong pastoral care for any players coming through the system. Um, and they're a, a real partner. So Queen Margaret, well, they have their own strength and conditioning at Queen Margaret College, so we, we're tired into that. And then um, we can um, uh, ferry the players around between Queen Margaret and the training venue, which is out in Fraser Park and Avalon. So we're really happy with that association. Um, Paul Temple and his head academy put all that together and it's been great for the, for the club to date. David, uh, you talk about pathways for young women. Of course, no better example than uh, Alyssa Wynnum, uh, just been uh, called up to the football ferns, the only Knicks uh, women's player with a multi-year contract. It kind of suggests that uh, the name Alyssa Wynnum will be some uh, a name you can start to formulate a real squad around. Uh, absolutely. Well, Alyssa Wynnum is one of those players that has a bit of ease factor for her, um, about her. So we're looking at Alyssa and going... You're absolutely right, Smitty. Like, how do we build a bit of a team around her? She's still learning her craft, but extremely talented. And you have to remember that Alyssa was uh, a late addition to the A-League women's team last season. Um, Gemma thought that she needed a bit more development, but the, the spot that came up 
in, in the team and um, she, it was offered to Alyssa. She was initially on a scholarship contract. We had to we had to transfer that to a full contract because she was applying every game. So that was that's a, a real credit to Alyssa and how she's taken her chance and she's run with it. And like you say, it, it's a it's a it's now a chance that we can build a bit of a team around her and continue to build out her, her technical ability and her skill set and, and develop her into a quality player that will be. In the same way, exactly what you said, in the same way that Gemma has gone on to bigger and better things, then why can't Alyssa go on to a uh, uh, professional career, career outside Australia and New Zealand sometime in the future? David, you will be well-versed uh, with our uh, very own Ricardo Ball, who is sitting poised as well um, as part of the show to, to grill you on the men's side of things, Ricardo. Yeah, good morning, Domi. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, Ricardo. Good to hear you again. Yeah, good, mate. Good. Hey, listen, I've, I've got to say, um, you know, somebody that's followed New Zealand football for, for a long, long time uh, and the professional teams we've had in the Aussie comp, it feels like the uh, recruitment that the Phoenix have done in this off-season has seen something happen that doesn't happen often, and that's Stephen Ugarkovic, who's a very, very good Australian oh. player uh, at a great age who's played at some of the top teams in Australia coming here. That doesn't happen very often. The recruitment around getting him in, obviously to cover for Alex Rufer, who's, who's going to be missing most of the season. Uh, I mean, when did that approach happen and how did you make that happen? How did you get that over the line? That's who's like telling. That's what he does, Ricardo. And you, there's two things about our recruitment this season that is uh, important to note. One is that we've done it early. So we've had a lot of the players. Oscar Zawada, who is our, our new number nine, has come in and he's the last one to be signed. And we're still, you know, it was two weeks, two and a half weeks out from the start of the season that he went straight to Australia. Now, normally we recruit quite late and it's just the way that it plays out. But this year, we've actually made a conscious effort to recruit very, very early. Number two, you've re- we've recruited in quality. And I'll go with that. without a word of a lie, this is our, the most that we've ever spent on a, on a team, on a football club, on a football team. Um, so Rob has, has given Uti the, the dollars to go out and recruit really, really well. And if you look at the uh, imports we've brought in, like Jan Sass, who's the Brazilian number 10, keep an eye out for him. He, he is going to be, uh, I think he's going to be a bit of a star. You've got Oscar Zawada, who's the number nine, and then you've got um, Roger Daclay, who's another number 10. Big, tall, you know, good in the air, number 10. Those were done well ahead, especially the first two of those um, imports was done well ahead of, of what we would normally be. So that's been really, really positive. Um, and I think you'll look at that and you'll, some of these imports will be big names in the A-League this season. So I think you're right. It's, it's, it's really exciting, the quality of these players that, that Uzi signed. Stephen Ugarkovic, was, when, when, they, when that name came up and, and Uzi had mentioned that he was chasing Stephen Ugarkovic, I said, every, every club in Australia and the A-League wanted Stephen Ugarkovic, would want Stephen Ugarkovic in his team. He is that kind of a player, and we are very, very lucky. Well, I think part of it is Oofy's gone and talked to Stephen and said, look at what you can be be part of here in Wellington and the squad that we're pulling together and the the potential the squad could do something this year. And like I said, to Smithy, you couple that in with his facility you're going to be training in. A lot of players going, you know what? I go and train there. I, that, that facility could add another one, two years onto my career because of the uh, of the technology that's in there. So I, it's a whole lot of stuff coming together at the same time. But totally agree. What a what a what a signing Ugarkovic has been. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you talked about Rob uh, Morrison, uh, of course, the owner of the Phoenix, giving Ufuk Tele a bit more money. How much of that is tied into the A League now being an independent body and not directly run by the FFA? 
Not really. Um, there, there certainly is some stuff is easier with uh, us obviously being a part owner of the entire competition, which is really, really positive. And I guess what it means is that any dollar we spend now is a dollar that is essentially being invested into our business. Because we're now all the clubs own the business. We're no longer um, just a license or a franchise owner. We now uh, own the business in its entirety. So a dollar that we spend on players essentially is a dollar invested into our business. Um, the, the central distribution, which essentially is the TV rights money and the, and the uh, central court commercial deals that have been done, that hasn't changed um, from last year to this year. Um, but Rob has just made the decision along with the other owners and the board that he wants to have a decent crack at this season and, and he's given um, the reins to do so. Is this the strongest 11 you think that the Phoenix have ever been able to roll out if everybody's fit? Um, but geez, mate, that's a hard one when you start comparing teams across the areas of the But look, I, I think in terms of the last couple of years, like as you know, for the two years that we were, we were based in Australia due to COVID, that was always going to be very, very difficult for us to compete being based away from home. And I think if I look at our colleagues in other codes who have had to go over to Australia and base themselves there, you look at what we've done, we've, it's barely been a hiccup, you know, in, in terms of the way that UP's managed that team over there. So performances have still been good. We've, we've made the finals one of the two years with only missing out on um, by one point in the, in the first of the COVID years. Um, you know, we, and last year we only we, we got knocked out in the finals by the eventual winners, and we only by one goal. We lost one nil to Western. So, do you know what I mean? We, we've been pretty good in, in the way that that Uti has adapted to those challenges about being in Australia for two and a half years. Where we've just carried on. We've just quietly gone about our business, done our work, recruited well. Uti's got the team together and, and made them perform. Uh, never made any excuses for being based overseas and being based in Australia and, and the stresses that it puts on people. We've just gone on and got it done. And it hasn't really been noted about how the Phoenix has continued to perform as if it were, we were still playing at home. Albeit, I think last year we probably could have gone better if we'd had that you know, home semi-final in, in, in Wellington at some stage. But anyway, you know, I think it, it, if you're looking at it, it's a very strong team. It, 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 you know, player for player, there is some real quality now in, in, the, in the starting 11 um, and, and with good with now competition for every place. That's what we wanted. We wanted competition in every place. And like you say, with Alex Rupert coming back, and hopefully he's going to come back sooner rather than later. David Ball coming back from injury. Clayton Lewis has got a slight twin um, hammy strength, so he hasn't been playing. But you get these players coming back, they're now competing with Steven Ugarkovic and Oscar Nawada and... and uh, you know, and yarn stuff, and pushing, everybody's pushing to be part of that starting 11, which is a really, really positive thing. Yeah, yeah it's massively positive. Uh, just uh, lastly, mate, uh, we did see Stephen Ugarkovic uh, on New Zealand soil last uh, season at Eden Park. Yes. How, how how far down the yes. penalty taking list is he this year? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they do the penalty taking. I mean, it, in my team, it's like uh, you're the penalty taking until you miss one, right? And I'm not sure how it does go to the A League. I think, to be honest, I have spoken to Uthi about this and said, well, how, how do you want to do the penalty takers? And he said, he actually leaves it to the players. And he goes, it's a, and it's an, it's, I get it, right? But who feels confident on the day? If a player is playing confidently on the day, then they feel confident to take the pen. If, if, if you have a set penalty taker and that, that guy's having a bad, for whatever reason, that player's having a bad day and they're, not, and they're missing shots, you don't necessarily want them to take a penalty. But they've, they've, they've got a little bit of a process amongst themselves, the players, about if we get a penalty, who's going to take it. But there are some good penalty takers. And, you know, again, if I look at these imports that we've got on board now, I think 
any one of those would be a decent one. And I would back uh, Stephen Nugakovic as well. I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but he uh, it was a slip in there. That ground was wet. And Stephen was the all-white game. It was a bit of slipping and sliding at the park when they water it sometimes. I think uh, poor old Stephen got a, got a bit of a whole deal when he took that penalty. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can't tell you who our penalty take is going to be, but I'd suggest <laughs> probably not Stevie. Okay, David, um, before I let you go from my side of things, I'm just looking at the draw. Pretty exciting for home fans. Uh, it's quite top-heavy to begin the season. Uh, a couple and then a couple yeah. away and then a, a good run at home. So nicely set up for the fans, of course. Um, have you finalised um, all your uh, particular venues as the season goes on? And, and uh, yeah. w- where will you be taking the Phoenix to? We're very close. We're very close. We've got, um, we'll definitely have at least one game at Eden Park. And, and I'm just working with Nick on whether we can get a sixth one up there. I do need to find a venue for the 28th and 10th, uh, which we don't currently have a venue for the men, and there's one venue for the women. There is, there's two games that I'm really Obviously, the first game of the season on the 9th of October, like you mentioned, there, Smithy, with the, with the men, is going to be a big one for us. But the other one I'm really looking forward to is the, the first professional women's football game ever played in New Zealand on Sunday, the 20th of November, at Sky Stadium in Wellington. Again, a 3 p.m. kickoff on a Sunday afternoon, 20th November, Wellington Phoenix women versus. Melbourne City women, the first ever professional women's football game. We want we want 10,000 people at that game so New Zealand can show their support for professional women's football. Um, but I'm just, you know, it's history. It's history in the making. Um, you know, there will be a lot of dignitaries there to, to witness it and I hope that the fans get out and really support it as well because, like I say, the first ever professional women's football game ever played in this country. What a momentous um, occasion for sport. Yep, and I'm back on the back of a, a really encouraging start last year uh, away from home. I think they uh, deserve that level of support as well uh, on what we saw. Yeah, uh, David, yeah. uh, terrific to catch up with you. Um, thank you very much for your time filling us in on that uh, new wonderful facility that you've got out there, all of those associations, uh, and a bit of a breakdown of uh, both the squads. Thank you, uh, and good luck. Uh, we'll talk to you again throughout the season, no doubt. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Carter. Yeah, cheers, uh, David Dome there, folks. Uh, he is the general manager, of course, of the Wellington Phoenix. And uh, all of a sudden, um, it's, uh, it's starting to get uh, exciting, Ricardo, and uh, those shirts will start coming off at, Welling- at Sky Stadium in Wellington, I would imagine, at some point. And let's hope uh, that they have a, a great level of support and uh, perhaps can show the Wellington rugby fans uh, what they should do locally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I actually brought that up on my show the other night, Smithy, when I was on. You know, I, I heard when Wellington won the Shield off, off your Hawks Bay that it was this, this massive deal, 13 years, and they were super excited about it, and they got to defend it for the first time against Waikato, who were, you know, obviously a, a big challenger for them in the in the Bunnings NPC. They were in the same group and everything. I mean, it ticked all the boxes. It was a Saturday afternoon. It was a fine day. Three thousand people turn up. That didn't didn't add up to the hype that I was hearing. No, Ricardo, there's something amiss there um, with rugby at, at that level in terms of uh, support um, and just the way things uh, happen there. You know, um, I, I heard uh, through a very good source that um, after they won the shield off uh, Hawks Bay, only one player, only one player of the, out of the Wellington group went to the after match function. Only one. Wow. Uh, and I would have thought, well, that would have been. Uh, a hell of an after-match function to go to. Uh, you walk in as the new owners of the Shield. Uh, you know, you've got your, your big boys uh, up front who look after it, the keepers of the Shield, uh, holding on to it, treasuring it. Um, you know, you could have had uh, a really good thing, and uh, apparently only one Wellington player uh, turned up to the post-match, which I find a little bit 
surprising, mm. perhaps a little bit perturbing. But then again, maybe I'm old school and they had other matters to attend to that I don't know about. Disappointing, though. It's 11.24 here on SENZ. We'll be back uh, shortly. We're not that far away from giving you the opportunity to win 100 bucks from the TAB. The voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, we've had uh, a few texts in as well this morning. Uh, Smithy, how inept are some of our sports administrators in New Zealand? Rugby, league, soccer, cycling, sport New Zealand and their funding criteria. They continue to embarrass themselves. Uh, that's over this uh, little spate or spat, I suppose you'd call it. Um, a spate of texts um, and a spate of, um, uh, I would say, correspondence on the back of the article too, um, which has been written by Dylan Cleaver. Uh, Gregor Paul on the fact that uh, New Zealand rugby none too happy with the fact that New Zealand football were allowed to be at Eden Park the day after they had their big uh, Bledisloe Cup night. Quite sure of the thinking there. I don't, I don't get how that would have impacted. Uh, it's about people participation, and there was a perfect opportunity for out of towners to come and go to both events um, you know, on a really rare occasion to farewell a guy like Winston Reid to to welcome home the All Whites. I mean. Chris Wood and Co. Where's the downside? Where is the downside to that? I, I'm sorry, I, I just do not see it. Even if on a rival administration, I do not get that at all. Uh, and maybe as we've uh, since discovered, it's on the back of the fact that they're going to be playing second fiddle a lot, New Zealand rugby next year, uh, when it comes to FIFA running the, the Football Women's World Cup, who when they've already got the grounds at, uh, that they want at their disposal when they want them, which means rugby are going to have to do some shifting around, uh, no doubt about it, with their various competitions. They're not going to be playing on the big fields as such. So that'll be quite an interesting uh, job for some of the administrators within rugby there. But honestly, really, not a reason to be uh, jealous or to be bitchy about the whole thing. Uh, it's a reason to co-celebrate, I would have thought. Anyway, we can celebrate with you, or one of you anyway, because uh, you can ring us now on 0800 150 and uh, you can uh, ring Brian, who will be on the phones, uh, with an opportunity to take uh, that 50 bucks, so, sorry, 100 bucks it is, 100 bucks for the TAB. And Ricardo will be asking the questions this morning, and uh, the phones are lighting up. So good luck to the lucky winner there. In the meantime, we shall take um, Ottawa with the uh, 11.32 version of the news. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, time for Stumped with Smithy Ricardo on the questions today. And Morgan from Marlborough joins us. Uh, g'day, Morgan. How are you doing? Mate, I'm at home with a bit of gastro, but we're all right. Ooh. We're all right. Oh, that's not... Have you tracked it down? Do you know where <laughs> it came from? Yeah, my bloody son. Ah. Yeah, you do it. Yep. Don't eat one, mate. Don't don't eat your son again. There you go. That'll fix it. No, I undercooked him, mate. Only four hours in the oven. Very good, guys. Very, very good, Morgan. Very sharp. If your knowledge is as sharp as that, uh, I got no price. You're a, you're a, a dollar one in shortening to win this hundred bucks. Uh, Ricardo, what are the subjects for Morgan this morning? Okay, Morgan, you can choose from golf, the All Whites, or the Women's Rugby World Cup. What are you going to take? Go All Whites, mate. Going all whites. Okay, first question for you, Morgan. The all whites and the Socceroos have played each other 65 times dating back to 1922. The Socceroos have won 42 of those. How many of the Kiwis won? 13. 
Nice. Just nice. a couple of chips down the way. No. Right in the slot. Whoa. And away it goes. Well done, Morgan. Well done. Did you know that? Or was that a good guess? On the yeah, no, I saw the statistic up on the screen while I was watching the games in the weekend. Oh. Uh, well remembered. Yeah. Well remembered. Yeah. All right, question two, mate. Uh, you're a step closer to that $100 uh, TAB bonus bet. Uh, the last time the All Whites beat Australia... It was in the 2000 uh, in 2002 in the Oceania Nations League at Ericsson Stadium. Uh, they won that match 1-0. Who scored the goal? Vaughan Coveney. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Over to you, Smith. Are you going to be able to stump Morgan? Shane Smeltz. One of the worst things I have ever <sighs> seen done on a cricket field. I'll tell you the answer was Ryan Nelson, the skipper. He got a header. It was oh, a bit of a really? scramble, yeah. It was a bit of a scramble at a corner, that one. All right, uh, so you're still alive, Morgan. Here is the last question. $100 TAB bonus bet could be yours. Which London-based side did retired all-white skipper Winston Reid help gain a place in the Premier League in 2021-22 by winning the EFL Championship final? Greenford. That's a couple of chips down the way Right in the slot, and away it goes. Well done, Morgan. $100 TAB bonus bet. Betcha, all yours, my friend. Well done. Might be able to afford some wet wipes after this, mate. (laughs) 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 Hey, Morgan. Morgan, you know your footy. Uh, You're a big football fan? Yeah, I am, mate. Love it. Who's your team? Um, I'm a Leeds United fan. Leeds United fan. Okay, so... um, uh, Okay, a handy sort of start to the season, but under a wee bit of pressure there. Uh, why, why Leeds? Um, I grew up supporting Cantona, so I was tall when I was younger. I used to follow Leeds and Man U, but got told from a very proud Englishman you can't support both United and um, Man United. So I, I thought, well, I'll go with the underdogs and I'll go Leeds. And it was about the time they were having the big um, push for Europe, like late 90s, early 2000s, and sort of fell in love with most of the boys, Harry Kill and Viduka and, um, you know, Jonathan Woodgate, Alan Smith and all those lads. So watched them through thick and thin in the championship and League One, and now they're back in the Premier League, so I couldn't be happier. So, Morgan, uh, you're a Marlborough man, which is uh, only, what, 25-minute flight from Wellington. Uh, you a Phoenix man. Would you Would you go? Yeah, mate, I'm actually heading up there in a couple of weeks for a bit of a weekend on the lash with the boys and stick around on the Sunday afternoon for the um, round two game. So we're looking forward to that. Fantastic, mate. Well, well, maybe you can, if you spend 100 bucks wisely, you might get some, some beer money. Yeah, mate, we'll have to get past this next couple of days first before I start thinking of grog, but yeah, it's definitely <laughs> on the uh, agenda. <laughs> hey, okay, got, mate. We've got the Premier League back this weekend, Morgan. There's a few derby games. Are you looking at investing on uh, your 100 bucks in that at all? I I generally try and... I, I'm a bit of a um, bit of a scrooge when it comes to that, but I'll do like a, a couple of $1 bets on three or four different games but try and pick the exact score. And I've been doing it for about the last probably four years, and I've only had it come in twice, but... On the exact score, you put a dollar down and you still get the best part of $1,400, $1,300. So it's, it's not a bad investment if you're only spending a dollar. Nice work. It's not it. bad at all. Yeah. That's a good one. Good money if you can get it, mate. Hey, well, can stay yeah. on the line, uh, Morgan, and uh, Brian will get your, your details. and We'll do it very quickly just in case you have to make a quick visit to the bathroom. Um, and then um, also uh, we wish you all the best in, in turning 100 into uh, 1,000 so you can really make the most of that, that trip to Wellington. Cheers, buddy. Hope uh, your health improves. Cheers, gentlemen. 
Have a good day, eh, guys? Thank you very much. Yeah. Same to you, uh, Morgan. There, uh, our champion, hundred bucks uh, going into his uh, TRB account, and we shall have uh, another fifty bucks available to uh, tomorrow around about the, the same time, around about eleven thirty. It's uh, coming up to eleven forty now on this Thursday here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. Well, this week's uh, Greyhound pick to raise funds for Women's Refuge for Us is uh, racing uh, tomorrow afternoon at 12.38. So uh, race two it is, uh, number six, Gold Star Randall. Gold Star Randall. Now, uh, I'm well enough versed on Greyhounds, I think that is... uh, trained by young uh, Riley Evans, uh, or the Gold Stars come out of the uh, Evans kennel. So Gold Star Randall, race two, number six. There are greyhounds today, actually, uh, at uh, Cambridge and Addington. Cambridge, uh, 11 races starting at uh, 22 minutes past midday. Uh, And Addington, there are 12 races at 4.12. And on the subject of greyhounds, you can tune in uh, to SENZ every Sunday from midday. For Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. It's hosted by two legendary Greyhound experts in Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts. So don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. Uh, I've got a text in and it's not signed by anyone, but uh, it does say, uh, Smithy, I had a colleague who went up to Auckland with mates to do just that. Uh, they went to the rugby and the football. Uh, agree with you, isn't that uh, what was supposed to happen? Yeah, and I would have thought everyone wanted that to happen as well. So I'm I'm not quite sure, not quite sure uh, about that um, that that um, item. That, and when we we set up the show this morning, to be fair, we didn't even know about that story. Yeah, it's become quite an integral part of it. To be perfectly honest, Patty's come in with a text to say, "Amazing to see a, a sports event without national governments governance, giving fans alcoholic drinks, music, fun, good cricket to an extent." and no overzealous security guards, what a positive experience it can be. I love the fact that people go have fun, get drunk, enjoy their time at the Oval. New Zealand cricket, New Zealand rugby could learn a thing or two. It's not all family-friendly. It's uh, come down and have fun. Um, What did you sense the atmosphere uh, for the football? Um, Ricardo, uh, I know you had a role there. You were pretty busy as a and the ground announcing role, but how did you sense it all went down? Yeah, really well. It was um, really good atmosphere. I thought the uh, the atmosphere at the ground uh, built. It was certainly a lot louder than than the rugby appeared to be the night before. That's for sure. Uh, which was a, a fuller house, if you like. There were forty two, I think, at the rugby, thirty five at the football. But the football crowd was a heck of a lot louder. And uh, yeah, the, and it, and it was it was a really good mixture of people too. You know, you had uh, lots of families, lots of mums and dads with the kids. You had. Uh, also, there was a like a yellow fever type group over on the far side as well, or you could hear in full voice lots of songs. So great atmosphere. Everybody seemed to have fun. I didn't see an ounce of trouble, and you know I didn't even you know I had to walk the concourse a few times. Hardly saw a cop. Uh, it seemed to be pretty well run and and not overly hev- heavily handed uh, in terms of security either. So where did you uh, sit now with Winston Reid making his final appearance for the All Whites? Where does he go down in New Zealand football history for you, Winston Reid? Well, I think you know he does. He's not up there with, say, Winton Roofer. 
um, who you know played European Cups top level and things like that and, and, and scored in them. But he would be in the next echelon down, uh, maybe not quite to Ryan Nelson because he's had so many um, injuries. So he's, I mean, the only that was a thing too, I think, that a lot of people, while there was a lot of fanfare to send him off, uh, his injuries and things had cost him a lot of the games. He only actually played 30-odd games for the All-White, so it wasn't like he had a massive, massive legacy. But I think the fact that we had him for so many years playing for West Ham in the Premier League and being so visible, I think that's done a lot. So I think he will go down uh, alongside the likes of uh, you know Simon Elliott and, and, and Ryan Nelson has been a, uh, a top player who you know lots of kids will have had the poster on the wall and, and he would have been an influence in that way. Mm, okay, and just finally on the football front, where do you, and you have uh, your finger on the pulse of football of anyone that I know in this country, where do we sit with Danny Hay in all honesty? Where's the future you think for for us with Danny Hay and for Danny Hay with New Zealand football or overseas? Uh, well, I think the I think New Zealand football need to keep him. And I think the best thing that happened at that press conference after the game was Chris Wood coming out and saying that exact thing to New Zealand football. I think that forced their hand at I, as I understand it, there are no games in November when there's that 10-day window before the World Cup kicking off, and there were going to be no games in March either. Now, off the back of what Chris Wood said, uh, New Zealand football have had to come out and say, oh, no, we're going to have games in March. We're going to have games in March. So I think they've uh, Chris Wood, really, that has been the thing that's really put a rocket up New Zealand football. Uh, they need to re-sign Danny Hay. But Danny Hay, I know, having talked to him, is not happy about the way things are run there. And he wants change. So uh, there's going to be a lot of discussions before we get a final answer there. But I think Danny Hay staying in New Zealand football and maybe even helping, helping with the governance and the way things are run at the top uh, I think it's needed because if he goes it's back to square one No games for six months no games? Does, is that what we we're led to believe? Well that's the thing yeah I mean because the, the next international window is before the World Cup um, and then you've got the World Cup obviously which we're not involved in. After that the next international window is March so that is six months from now Right okay well that puts a logistical side on it um, so much on that uh, result against Costa Rica, of course, and uh, that game that we probably uh, could have uh, fared better in. Uh, I think we're the better side, and uh, of course we didn't get the rub of the green with the officiating either. Uh, incident, I've never seen that reference. Is he ever? Uh, was he still in his beach house somewhere in Costa Rica? Has he ever emerged? <laughs> I think he's probably still counting the pesos, Smithy. Yeah, probably is. Okay, Ricardo, we won't push it any further there. What I can tell you, folks, is that Mark Stafford won't be in today, but. But the big show is Stephen McIver. He is poised, folks. He is absolutely poised. Uh, we shall talk to him very, very uh, soon uh, on uh, his show this afternoon. Uh, I know he's a very disappointed man because his doggies were nowhere near uh, the eight this year or the grand final. But he will have a pick. He will have a pick. Will he go for the Eels? Will he go for the Slippery Eels? Or will he go for the Panthers, the Praying Panthers? We'll be back with Stephen McIver very shortly. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.